Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome back into Believe in Miami Heat. Hope you've been enjoying these off-season interview episodes. Go back and check them out. Uh, leave some comments, leave a review. Let me know if there's somebody specifically out there you're looking to uh, hear me talk to in Heat Nation. My guest today is the man. You're gonna, you guys have asked for him, so I'm bringing him in, Jonathan Zaslow. But before we bring in Jonathan Zaslow from 790 to Ticket, guys, we talked about this last week. NBA, now we might know when it's coming back. But until it comes back, the NFL season, it's in full swing. And although you might not be at the game, I told you I'm not going to be at the games. You could still be in on the action with Bet Online. The Dolphins were off this past weekend. I told you how I hammered them when they were the favorite against the Jets. The first time they've been a favorite since I think I was born. And I won some money off that. Now it's two a time. And it's plus three and a half. The Dolphins getting three and a half at home. Give me all three and a half of those points. I'm taking it. And just because the Dolphins were off, that doesn't mean I didn't bet it. I took Detroit money line because I knew the Falcons would blow it. So you guys, they got game spreads, totals, teams, players, coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino. It never closes. So if you're like me and you love blackjack, and you want it 24 hours a day, and you need it in your life, go. It's great. Head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, here we go. As I said off the top, I'm joined today by Jonathan Zaslow, host of Zaslow and Amber on 790 The Ticket down here in South Florida and the voice of the pre and post game for your Miami Heat on 790. Zaz, it's good to have yes. you. I've had, I've had you on the other show. I'm glad to have yes. you on, on Believe in Miami Heat. Yes, thanks a lot for having me. Let's do it, man. What do we got going on? We're already looking forward to next season. I know, and I know. And t- today, look... We uh we had uh, we we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Pat Riley's postseason. Uh, I guess you could call it a press conference last Friday. I guess video State conference. State of the where, Union every year. State of the Union at this time. Yeah. Well, not this time. It's a, it's normally about what are we talking? Four months ago. Right. right? Exactly. It's yeah, hard he, getting used to that. Like I keep saying, hey, this this summer free agency. It's like yeah, summer was about five months ago. Yeah, he he mentioned that he had to correct himself on that a few times because every time someone said this summer, this summer, he's like, well, no, yep. no, you mean this winter. But before we get to to coach, uh, I call, I still call him coach. I, I It's just a habit. Uh, news for, out of the heat today. Dan, well, today, when you're listening to this, it'll be Monday when, when it happened. Dan Craig, longtime assistant, been with the team since 2003 is headed to Los Angeles to join Ty Lue's staff. Uh, for the for the fan who's not really aware of Dan Craig, can you tell them a little bit about what what the Heat's coaching staff is losing in, in Coach Craig? Yeah, Dan Craig has been with the organization for a really long time. Most notably, he... Like he's essentially the, the the newest guy on what ends up being the Eric Spolstra coaching tree is what really what it's turning into. And he won the G League championship with the team in Sioux Falls a couple years ago. For the past couple seasons, he's been on the bench. He's been one of the three assistant coaches on the bench 
with Eric Spolstra and is obviously a, uh, well, no, not obviously, but he's very tight with the head coach on a personal level as well. And I don't know a whole lot about why he left just yet, other than it seems like the Clippers were able to offer or chose, able to, anyone's able to, they chose to offer him more money and he found it as a better opportunity to essentially get a head coaching gig. Uh, that's definitely what the end game is for him. It's been a couple years in a row where he's been a candidate for head coaching gigs. I know he interviewed for, I think he interviewed for the Pelicans job this year. He definitely interviewed for the Pacers job. Yes, I saw that. And yeah, and as it turns out, uh, he's going to leave and take one of the bench spots with Ty Lue, which is really shaping up actually be a pretty good bench there. Uh, you know, I guess they're, it'll be Chauncey Billups is who they're looking to lock mm-hmm. in. And Kenny Atkinson, uh, also, they I was going to say Kenny Atkinson, I think Larry also it's, yeah. So that's a good bench right there, but I, I, I can't imagine that, that Dan Craig is leaving for any reason other than it's, it's a financial thing that he'd probably say, Hey, listen, this is what we pay assistant coaches. It is what it is, you know? And, uh, you know, the guy over there in Los Angeles, not that Mickey Harrison's crying poor, but, you know, a bomber. He didn't care about money. You know? Yeah, and I, and I suppose, you know, not that this is not to bash on Ty Lue in any means, right? Ty Lue's a championship head coach. But look, I think there's there's probably an argument to be made that a, a, an assistant coach on Ty Lue's staff is going to have a huge – is going to play a much larger role in terms of everything than – a Spo- like, Spo is – Spoh's a Hall of Fame head coach. Spoh's the best coach in the league, arguably. Not that his assistants aren't doing more, but in an opportunity to be seen on a big stage to become a head coach, maybe that's part of it too, because anybody, you never know what's going to happen in LA. Like that thing could be blown up halfway through the season, and then you might get a chance to get some run as a head coach halfway through the year. Who knows? Like, so. It's an you know, this happens in, in, in a lot of businesses. It's a radio thing too, you know, in my business where sometimes. You know, the only way to grow is you wind up leaving, you know, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. You got to try something new and uh, that it could be as simple as that, where I'm not going to be able to grow. Like, I'm not going to be able to grow anymore here. I'm certainly never going to be the head coach, you know, and not that he's leaving to go be the head coach in Los Angeles, but you do some growing there. At least it's 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 a new situation. It's a new challenge. There were no more challenges in the Miami Heat organization for him. Maybe yeah, that's what it is. It seems like Mike Cassell's the odd man out out there. I don't know what's going on with him, uh, he, he, but he, he must be gone because that staff's rounding out, like you said. So I was thinking about this. So I, like I said, we're recording this Monday night. This will be up by Wednesday morning. Doesn't it seem weird? I think for me, because I, I, I do another podcast, so I'm podcasting five days a week. I'm constantly talking about new stuff. You're on the radio five days a week, so you're talking about everything South Florida sports. Is it weird that the Heat were playing in the NBA championship 15 days ago. Doesn't it seem like yeah. months ago at this point? Yeah, yeah. But but that's also a product of the pandemic where everything seems like it was that's forever true. ago. I mean, the, the the joke that I wind up making, and obviously it's the whole it's not a joking matter, but the joke that I make whenever this kind of topic comes up on our show, where wow, can you believe it was only that amount of time? If I were to tell you that Kobe Bryant passed away three years ago. You would believe me, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, if I, it, years ago, it seems like he passed away, and he passed away eight months ago. <sighs> like that's that's the example that I always give. It seems like it was years ago that he passed away. So I think that's just a matter of the pandemic, where yeah. it feels like forever ago. 
that the Heat were in the NBA Finals. It's true. It's a good. I mean, it is a great point because, like, we were talking about. So obviously, the news, the other news that came out, well, sort of news because it's not official yet. But Sham Sharania on Saturday tweeted that the NBA is now targeting December twenty second for their start of the new season. And part of what I talked about with my co-host on my other show was that didn't go to the bubble. Well, it'll have been 286 days since they played any basketball. So it did, that just mm-hmm. puts into perspective just how crazy this whole thing has been and how, I mean, it does seem like, like when Rudy Gobert touched all the microphones, that, that seems like two years ago now. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I wonder though, with December 22nd, that feels like that's when teams would play either their only or one of two preseason games and then the league would open up with like three or four games on Christmas Day, right? Like that's what I, we're talking about, right? No, it sounded it sounds like start on December twenty second, start the season on December twenty second to have Christmas Day games. But either way, I mean, I'll tell you what, did you see I know and this is this is not specifically heat talk, but it actually does kind of apply to the heat because I don't know if you saw what Danny Green Danny Green was on the Ringer NBA podcast talking to my guy Raja our guy Raja Bell and his co host. Um, and Raja asked him about that date. He said, he said, yeah, I saw that date. I, I won't be there. I don't anticipate LeBron being there either. He said, I, I don't anticipate seeing if they start December 22nd, I don't see LeBron playing for the first month of the year. Wow. Now he defended a championship. He's not going to be there when they're raising the banner. I mean, cause they're not playing in a bubble. They're going to play in their home. Arenas. I know he, he's he, not going to be there, but they're going to have a ring ceremony. LeBron's out there. No, no, no. He said he'd be with the team. Like he said, he, he doesn't anticipate like veteran guys who've been playing forever to be playing in those early games on such a quick turnaround. I don't know how serious he was. It may have been a reactionary thing to it just coming out. I'm sure they're going to play, but it's a pretty interesting statement from that. I mean, that's a, that's a what two time NBA three time NBA champion right there. And so, so a 72 game season, I guess is what they're looking at here. Uh, yeah, I, I got a I got a hard time digesting the idea that dudes aren't going to want to play with the turnaround. Like I understand that it's it's a much faster turnaround than normal, but it's not as if the scenario in the bubble was as strenuous as a regular two to three month NBA stretch. Like there was no travel involved. And that's not a small thing for these guys. So the hardest part was obvious and not a small thing was being away from their families, but the no travel is pretty, it's a pretty big deal. Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, so, so yes, it's a shorter turnaround, but it's a little overstated. And yeah. they're saying, Hey, I got to take a, you know, the first month of the season off. I, I don't I don't know if I'm buying that. Well, it's crazy because I mean, just, I mean, I, can you imagine like Jimmy Butler's probably like, you want to start the season tomorrow? Let's do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but what, so it, it sort of speaks to one of the things I, w- I wanted to talk about coming out of Pat Riley's. Um, oh, by the way, the other thing, I don't know if you saw Woj sort of alluded to this, the possibility of baseball type scheduling to limit travel. So going to I, one, lo- like if you play the Knicks three times, go to New York, play the Knicks three times. I love it. I love that. I thought about that a while ago. Like, why can't why can't we play if you're going to have back-to-backs, why yeah. can't the back-to-back be against the same team? Right. I mean, that, that makes everything so much easier. Play both your games if you're the Heat. The two games that you're going to play at Madison Square Garden, they're on Monday and Tuesday. And, yeah. and there you go. That's a back-to-back. That, that's a way to keep the back-to-backs 
so that you can, you know, expedite the schedule, get a certain amount of games in with a certain amount of time without tiring out your teams, without hurting the level of play. Like, I love the idea of playing two nights in a row in the same building. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And like, especially in a situation like New York or LA where you could, you, or like LA or like New York, you could go play the Knicks twice and then you could stay and play Brooklyn twice. If you go to Chicago, play Chicago twice and then drive up to Milwaukee and play Milwaukee twice, like in those areas where there's team, Miami, come down to Miami, you're only traveling to Orlando. Like it, it's, it's easier for teams. Uh, so it's I, one yeah, of the I things like, for, for the pan, it, it's one of the things with the pandemic. Like we're all learning, hey, we 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 could all work at home, you know. Like it's one of the things that it, we're learning things about the workplace that we could accomplish now that we didn't know beforehand. And I think the NBA needs to learn, just like probably the other sports leagues too, that there are just ways that we could do these things better. And that seems to be an easy way to do things like work smarter, not faster, like that, that kind of stuff. You know, it seems like we can really improve upon not just the level of play, but health financials as well. Mm -hmm. You got to figure it's not as costly. Okay. If we're only flying into, you know, in this scenario, and I understand there's Brooklyn, but you're only flying into New York city once a year and you bang out both those games. Like it, it just seems like the NBA should be learning from this scenario, the same way that all these other businesses are likely learning how to just be smarter about the way they work. And I, I have faith that any if there's any league that's going to learn those things, it's it's seen the, the NBA is generally in front of figuring things out. It, it, they were the yeah. first league to figure things out with COVID. Yeah. And I think in a post COVID world, they'll be the smartest and the safest. So but in terms of this 20 December 22nd date, uh, one of the things that Pat Riley discussed in his state of the union was the likelihood of trying to sort of, you know, run it back with this team, you know, assuming they're able to bring back Goron, Jay Crowder. We'll see what happens with other guys like Myers and, and Derek Jones Jr. Um, and I, and it seems like as though that that's been sort of the plan all along, get Goron back on the one year deal, probably bring Jay back on a one year deal. If he'll, if he'll take it and then play out the season f- heading into 2021, which we'll talk about, to me, it seems as though a team on a two-month turnaround, particularly coming from the playoffs, that's just running it back, same coaching staff, basically the same roster, you, you walk into next season on a short turnaround with all the momentum. I would have to assume that for a team like Miami that is likely to come back with a lot of the same pieces, certainly the same main pieces, will be at a at a huge advantage at the start of the season compared to a team that not only hasn't played in forever. Okay. So they're kind of getting used to each other again, but also any team that's going to shake things up a little bit with either trades or free agency, I'd have to figure a team like Miami will be an advantage because we see this all the time where it takes a team a month or two to get going, especially teams that have added big pieces. It takes them a while to get this thing going. And we know that the training camp is likely not going to be the same type of training camp that you're used to in the past. So I would have to figure that teams like Miami, uh, any team that brings back this, any playoff team that brings back the same group, like a team like Denver. Okay. Who's probably coming back intact. Like Denver, I would expect to get out of the gates and be terrific. Boston, Uh, And I I would probably a team like Boston. Yeah. I would, I would probably think that those teams – I would say Los Angeles, except 
I feel like, number one, you mentioned the, the, the weirdness about LeBron right there, and I don't know what direction that's going to go in. But also, that team will have a bunch of turnover, most likely. Well, they only All have, the like, ins- they, they only have, they either have four or five guys under contract right now. Uh, they have yeah, a lot the, of free agents. The, yeah, all the ancillary pieces are, are interchangeable with that team. So that's a team, even though they're the champions, that could take a little bit of time to really get going. But I, I think a team like Miami has to come back in advantage, yeah. Yeah, I think a team like the of the teams like that, I think the Lakers would, would probably be the least concerning to me because typically LeBron's teams, other than their top guys, turn over every year, and it takes them a while to get going anyways. However, like a team like the Clippers, it could be an absolute shit show because yep. not only is Ty Lue coming in and, it, and it's not like Ty Lue, you know, is taking over a team that won a champ or was in the championship last year. He's taking over a team that had huge issues. They're going to lose half their roster. And now, but then it, so it looks like to me, the well, and East, you also have a player in Kawhi who's going to take his games off. Right. And that's never, that's never not going to be a thing. Right. You're talking about a short turnaround here a team that had a lot of turmoil, it seemed. And the star player is going to continue to take off the games. He takes off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So actually speaking of the Lakers and this is no pun intended here, but the, the Pat Riley took a lot of heat for his comments about the Lakers in that, in that state of the union saying there's going to be an asterisk uh, because of the injuries and this and that. Now, obviously a lot of the heat was coming from Laker fans. And Laker media, I, I think I don't think he intended to say like historically they're going to have an asterisk. I think he. Do you agree? Like you think like listening to what he said, it seemed like he was saying more like, you know, look, if we had our guys, we would have competed. So yeah, they have a little bit of an. Asterisk. He's not saying like no, don't count it, right? Yeah. Well, look, uh, the team actually sent out a press release. I don't know if it's an actual press release. They released a statement. Uh, attempting to clarify what he said. So you okay. can believe the statement or not. And the statement said the asterisk is next to the Heat's name, not the Lakers. Their title is legitimate. Our loss has an asterisk next to it. The Lakers were the better team, period. That's pretty. That's a pretty direct statement right there. Yeah. And yeah, I, w- I would say that that's clearly what he meant because at the beginning of the question, at the beginning of him answering the question, the first thing he said was like, you know, we're never going to know. We're never going to know what would have happened if we, you know, you can't make yourself crazy about it. You can't think about it too much if we had Goran and Bam at full strength. And then as he went on on, like it was really taken out of context. Not only was it taken out of context, but right after he said that's going to have an asterisk next to it, like that right there is the line that everyone ran with. And the words that immediately came after his mouth, out of his mouth right after that was, if Goran and Bam played, who knows how it would have been different. But that's not the juicy part of the headline, if you add that. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly not Pat Riley's style, to, or the organization for that matter either. It's not their style to be taking credit away from other organizations. You know, Eric Spolstra, anytime the team loses, even if they were terrible, okay, I think Eric Spolstra gives too much credit to the other teams. I'm about giving less credit to the other teams. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay. You come out post game and say, you know what? We stunk tonight. There's no other way to do it. But he'll never do that. He comes out. Look, you got to give credit where credit's due. You got to credit them over there. They, they always give credit to the mm. opponents. There's no, I think you give too much credit. There's no way that Pat's trying to come out and put an asterisk next to the Lakers. They put out a pretty strong statement, what I thought there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know what's interesting that I, I don't know if I've ever noticed this before with Pat Riley, and it, this is totally off the, totally a, a, just sort of a tangent, but 
Did you notice when he was talking about this is not the first time I've dealt with injuries in a championship? He was talking about his Laker teams. And he kept on saying, you know, in whatever, 84, Irvin Johnson was out. And then in 86, Irvin Johnson was out. Do you notice that he doesn't call him magic? It was kind of weird. It's, it, it, it seems to be the guys who are, it's not just Pat, the guys who are really close with him call him Irvin. Okay. Like, I never noticed that. Michael Wilbon makes a point of always calling him Irvin. Oh, so okay. that seems to be a thing where if he's your friend, and it also... I always, I, it's a good point because I go back to the, you know, the documentary uh, about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I, I, I forget what it was called. It was on HBO. The, oh yeah, I did. It, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, there was, it was, it was so, a Bill Simmons was, thing, right? I think it was a Bill. Sim, it was like a Bill Simmons, one of those Bill Simmons things. I think. Yeah, maybe. And it was okay. so good. And there was one scene in it. It's when they went to. Uh, it was when they went to Larry Bird's home. Okay, to shoot the commercial mm -hmm. and Larry Bird's family then invited them inside and they weren't friends at this point. They were still huge rivals and they're filming this commercial together. But then when they invited Magic into their home to get like lunch or whatever, you know, they say in there that their relationship changed because that was when Larry for the first time he he, he knew who Magic was and he didn't really like Magic. But that was the day he met Irvin. Ah. So apparently it's, that's the difference is when you know him, he's Irvin. Well, I guess Jeannie doesn't know him because she always tweets magic and <laughs> always call, she always calls him magic. So I guess she doesn't know him as well. Uh, so back on, you know, the, the, the off season, right? So Goron, Jay, Myers Leonard, Derek Jones, who else? Kendrick Nunn's a free agent as well. No, no, no. Another year. You Kendrick another year. Nunn. Okay. Kendrick Nunn has one more year. So it's just those, yeah. four, those are the four main ones. Uh, it's Leonard Jones Jr. Uh, you know, Olenek, you expect Olenek, to opt into yeah. the final year. Uh, Dragic, of course, Crowder. Yeah, Dragic, Crowder, Jones Jr., and uh, and and Leonard. And I guess Solomon Hill, too. So yeah. really, that's the group. So would you anticipate seeing, other than maybe Solomon Hill, all those guys back? I would, uh, no, no. Uh, it, is a, it is a mortal lock that Goran Dragic is back. Right. Okay, that's what whatever they're going to pay him like it there is no chance that he is not on the team next year i think there's a real chance goran dragic finishes his career with the heat uh i mean goran dragic i i can't believe we're even at the point of having this discussion but we really are and we'd really be able to have this discussion if goran was able to play in the finals and play great but we're we're going to have a conversation if he's the best point guard the franchise has ever had. And the only other guy who's in the conversation, his number's in the rafters. I spoke with uh, the coach last week, Tony Fiorentino, and I asked him, I said, I think a lot of people don't understand what Goran has meant to this organization, particularly when you look at, uh, you know, the time that he's been with the team, right? Right post LeBron, Chris Bosh, just keep you know, being one of these calming and steadying members of the, of the organization through a weird time in, in the, in mm -hmm. the team. And now he's, yep. you know, top 10 in scoring, top 10 in assists, top 10 in games played. He'll play another season. He's going to probably be top five in assists. And the coach even said, he's like, he is right now, hands down the second best point guard in franchise history. Um, yeah. And so he's now been with the team exactly the same amount of time, five and a half seasons that Tim Hardaway was with the team as well. So next year he'll have been with the heat longer than Tim Hardaway was. Uh, Goron is a mortal lock for them to bring back. I really think there's a chance they bring Myers Leonard back. Myers Leonard was a great team guy. 
He showed you that the team can win when he's their starting center, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's a versatility there. He showed you that when he's not on the floor, he understands his role. He's willing to sacrifice. The Heat love that kind of stuff. I know he loves the organization. I don't think that's a small thing. And if the price is right, he just came off a contract where he was making $11 million a season. So, again, if the price is right for him to sign just a one-year deal at whatever it is, you know, probably a little bit less than that, that is the going rate for a capable big man anyway. So I could see Myers Leonard coming back. I think there's no chance Derek Jones Jr. is back. Uh, I I don't think that you can – Derek Jones Jr. is to be a free agent with, with a little bit of value for the first time in his career. So he's obviously going to be looking for a multi-year deal, as he should, from anyone who's willing to give it, okay? And there is no way if you're Miami can you – I'm not even talking about preserving cap space – for a year from now where you don't want to sign a player to a multi-year deal, you can't give a player a multi-year deal who was consistently not playing for you in the playoffs. Like what kind of rationale can you make for signing a player to multiple years who you decided I don't want on the floor in playoff games. So to me, it's, it's, you can't, you can't, the heat find guys like Derek Jones jr. Every year. Okay. They find that value every single year. And when the value, it, when, when the money eclipses his value, which it's going to now, then you cut bait and sure. you find a new guy who's mm-hmm. going to give you that value. And that's exactly what they're going to do. They learned that lesson the hard way back in 2017 when it's like, oh, well, let's run it back with Tyler Johnson and Dion Waiters and James Johnson. We got to give out $50 million to each one of these guys. Like they learned that lesson the hard way. They're not going to wind up doing that again. Uh, and Jay Crowder, yeah, I, I certainly think that they want Jay Crowder back, and he already said that he wants to be back if they could figure everything out. So I think Crowder is 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 possible. I think Leonard is possible. Dragic is a lock. I think Derek Jones Jr. is a no. Yeah, I think it's you, the Heat are in a unique situation where all these guys that we're talking about, their value is up a li- at least a little bit because they all played well for an NBA Finals team. But I think where Miami's unique is, like to me, I think the whole loyalty and sports thing is a little overblown. Like people think that players are loyal to their team, more loyal to their teams than they should be, or they think they should be more loyal than they should be. And but I think with this team, because of how unique this season was, and because of what they did, and and the culture and just the way these guys fit with the with with the organization guys like Jay and Goron and even Myers like you said I feel like they actually are a little more loyal than generally speaking like they probably could go get more money elsewhere but I think they probably in a weird in a weird shortened season what's coming next they know that staying here is probably more of a stable situation than making maybe a million or two more some That's a good point where a couple things number 1 if you're going to pick up and move to another city, you don't have a lot of time to do it with the quick turnaround this year. Okay. So that could be inconvenient for a lot of folks. And the second part is teams may not be willing to shell out any money this off season because they don't know if they're going to have fans in the building. Okay. <laughs> so financially teams may be a bit frugal this off season. And it may be beneficial for a lot of these guys. And I'm not just talking about the heat could be for other teams too, where it's like, all right, let me re up here with this current team. I'm going to run it back with these guys. And then we'll deal with this scenario next off season. When all these teams are preparing for the huge year, that's the year you want to be a free agent because not everyone is going to sign Giannis. 
and the teams that don't sign him are going to have to spend their money someplace else. So it's not the worst thing to kind of punt your free agency to a year from now. Yeah, so all right, so let's talk about 2021 because that's the other thing. That was another thing that got brought up a few times with Pat in in the uh, in that in that um, press conference. So I, the biggest thing I think that people want to know is about the BAM extension, right? Is it going to happen now? Or are they going to try to convince him to wait? And at least from the outside looking in, it seems like all the the talk about you know trying to get bam to wait on his extension for 20 so that they had more space in 2021 i think a lot of that started before people knew what bam was so at least from what i'm looking at i'm saying okay well yeah you want to maybe save that money for 20 like if he signs his extension they're still going to have money for a max guy in 2021 they just have more flexibility in 2021 if he waits because they can sign him on his uh, as a you know his bird rights would go over the cap. But like, to me, you already have one of your franchise guys. You already have a top 15 player in the NBA and bam. So if they sign him to the extension, this offseason, it really doesn't impact probably a ton of what Miami's plans are for 2021. Am I wrong? Sort of in that thinking. It, it, if he signs the extension now, it gets dicey for whether or not they're going to be able to sign the max guy in a year from now. It makes it really difficult. Hmm. And 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 here's here's the point that I try and pipe home on on our radio show. Bam not Bam signing the extension right now or not signing the extension right now has makes no difference in how much money he's going to make next season. He will not see a penny of the money until a year from now, whether he signs the extension or not. Literally, the only thing that changes with him signing the extension right now is peace of mind, is knowing that that money is there in a year from now. But whether he signs the extension or not, he's not getting a dollar of that until a year from now. So, you know, do the Heat say to him, listen, you could sign it right now. You're not going to get any of this money for a year from now, or you cannot sign it right now. I'm telling you, you're going to get the money. You're going to get it the same time you would if you signed this contract right now. You kind of got to take my word for it. But if you don't sign it right now, we got a pretty good chance of putting a championship team around you for years to come. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're not going to see a dollar until the same time. So what do you, what do we think yeah. we want to do? And and look, I can understand the player saying he wants the peace of mind, all right? But that's really all it is. He's not going to see a dime no matter what until a year from now. So the Heat are in fact in control of the situation. If the Heat didn't want to try and be practical with him and have that conversation that we just had, the Heat literally don't need to do anything. They are in control. That he could say, "Hey, I want to sign an extension today." And then you go, no, we're going to do this next year. And then he could be mad, but he could be like, yeah, we're still going to do it next year. And then when next year rolls around, he could sign a restricted te- a restricted contract, restricted free agent with another team. And they can match and of course, anything. And of course the Heat can match it. Or he could say, nah, you know what? I know you're going to match it. I'm mad at you that you didn't give me my money last year. So I'm just going to sign the one-year tender where it's like, well, there, you're cutting your nose off despite your face. Now right. you're going to wait another year? To get your unrestricted free agency? Like, what What kind of battle are you trying to fight? So the Heat are literally 
in control of the entire situation. Uh, I do think that Pat was sending a message in his press conference where he was saying, we're going to take care of Bam. We got to do the right thing by him. We're going to take care of him. And when you hear that, the first thing that comes to your mind could be, all right, well, they know they, they got to, he's eligible for the extension. Now they got to sign him. I don't think that's what he was saying. I think he's trying to send a message that, listen, we're not going to do this right now, but we're going to take care of you. We're going to do the right thing. And, and we're going to, that's when the time comes, we're going to do the right thing. I think he was sending a message that we're going to push this a little bit down the line, but we're going to take care of you. Don't you worry. I like that. That's an interesting, it's a, it's a good interpretation of what he said, because you're, you're right. Like listening to him in the presser, it did sort of strike me as we know, we want to show him how important he is to the organization. So it did sort of strike you as yeah. right, we're, we're just going to get it done. We're going to get it done yeah. and show him, but you, you're probably right. I mean, and, and listening to you talk about it, it makes sense because they are in complete control. I mean, they, they complete can control. Um, so to that end, so 2021, the name that has been at, that, that has been linked to the heat for 2021 since this all started was Giannis. I, here's my thing. With, and I, I get it. I totally get it. And maybe I'm crazy here, but I think bringing in Giannis to play with Bam does not make a ton of sense to me. I feel like there will be a better way. There, there, there will, it's not guaranteed, but I think there will be a better way. I think there will be somebody else or two out there to make a better team than Bam and Giannis because I just don't see a scenario where they where one or the other becomes a capable perimeter shooter over the next year. And then you're bringing in a guy who essentially does the same thing as basically brings the same similar things to the table as Bam, but is like older, I think, or five years older. Um, does do you think again to the Bam thing? Did the Giannis rumors to Miami or that Miami would target him in 2021? Did a lot of that start before people knew what Bam was? Oh yeah, yeah. Because we were all shocked by how good Bam is this year, and we've been talking about Giannis for a calendar year now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course it started before. Let's also let's also point out Bam and Giannis, same agent, same agent. All right. And that's not a small thing. All right. So who knows? Those guys talk each other behind the scenes. Well, you know, you don't know what goes on there. Same age. Uh, I don't think that there's any reason to believe that Bam is not going to eventually be able to uh, shoot from three. You know, this is a really young player. 22 years old, I think, Bam. Okay. It's a really young player. There's no reason to believe at the rapid rate of improvement that that's not going to be the eventual evolution. And and don't forget, when Chris Bosh got to Miami, the most threes he shot, not, not made, the most threes he attempted in a season was like 25, okay? Mm-hmm. He was not a three-point shooter. Couldn't make it. Didn't shoot it. Couldn't make it. And, you know, a couple years later, he's, uh, he's knocking down three threes in the fourth quarter of the 2012 NBA uh, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, you know, to, to win game seven against Boston. He, he was a great three-point shooter a couple years later. So I think, he'll, I think Bam's going to wind up stretching out his game in that respect. Does that change your opinion of the match with Giannis if Bam becomes a, a guy who could hit 36, 37% of his threes? 
Maybe. I, I just think they're, I still think they're just so, they're such similar players. I don't know that they complement each other well, particularly with Jimmy. I mean, you're talking about, it, it's almost like, and it's not the same because Bam and Giannis are better than Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? But you almost start to run into the same situation where you have a complete non-shooter in Ben Simmons and a complete non-shooter basically in Giannis from three. And a guy in Joel Embiid, who at his best is a 35% three-point shooter, but is a little lower, but can make threes. And also, don't forget, Butler doesn't love shooting the three. Right, exactly. So those three together on the floor, I mean, look, of course, you still have, you're going to have Duncan, I'm sure. You're still going to have Tyler. So there's two two of the better three-point shooters in the league, but it's going to, I just, the thing, here's here's what I've been trying to put into the, I've been trying to speak this into existence because I could see it. I, I see it happening. I think the Clippers are going to be a shit show. I think they're going to be a shit show. I think there's a legitimate chance. And I think now because of the the success that Jimmy Butler had in Miami, every player is going to want Miami. Every single player who has a bad season, a bad reputation, anything that wants to turn around the way their career looks to the public is going to want to go to Miami. So I think next offseason, there's a legitimate chance Miami could have Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. I think they're both going to opt well, out after next season. Oh, I do too. Uh, I, I I will say the idea that the Heat can get the next disgruntled player because of what happened with Jimmy Butler, that's been going on for 25 right. years with the Heat. Uh, that's true. I, I, yeah. You know, that was that was that got Alonzo Mourning here. You got Shaq. That got Jamal Mashburn here. That got Tim Hardaway here. That got Shaquille O'Neal here. That got Goran Dragic here. Like LeBron. That, and, and it got, well, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would have LeBron in that category because LeBron wasn't traded. All those teams, Miami was able to get the player traded because the player was like, I I need out. I want out. So I don't put LeBron there. Uh, But Shaq, of course, and uh, Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler, essentially, as well with the sign and trade. So that's been going on for a while now. Uh, I sent a message to – I don't remember who it was, but I sent a message to someone in the league after – the Clippers season ended and I was like, I think we're focusing on the wrong free agent a year from now. I think Kawhi is the one we should be talking about. I I couldn't agree more. And and part of it is this. We talked about this. I think last time I spoke to you on another show or might've been on, on your show, but I I said, you know, I I mentioned the whole Kawhi reevaluating his legacy. If this whole thing goes to shit. Right. And it has already sort of gone to shit, but if it's, bad again next year. So part of what I I look at it like this, there's no denying the talent. Kawhi is the second or third most talented player on the planet. No question. But in San Antonio, all he had to do was be a robot and go out there and play. In Toronto, all he had to do was go out there and be a robot and play the game because he had Kyle Lowry, he had Mark Gasol, he had Serge Ibaka. In LA, they're asking him to do something that he's not. He's not a leader. Comes to Miami, doesn't have to be a leader, just has to go out there and be a mercenary. And I think he'll see that if they have another failure year in with L.A. and he fits better than Giannis. I mean, it's not even a question. The part, though, that I really question, uh, because as far as those two players are concerned, yeah, I'd rather Kawhi. But the part that I really question is that playing every other game stuff, that doesn't fly in Miami. Like, that just... That doesn't fly. Like y- you practice and you play and like 
They don't sit out when they're hurt. Hmm. If you can play, you play. Like that's not the way they operate. So that part, I really got a how hard time with, understanding did, how how that'll work. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think. Like, was there ever? I guess I, I don't really. Was there ever? There. I mean, I guess load management wasn't a huge thing during the big three. Like that's that oh, didn't really. Oh, but it was a big thing with Wade that fourth year. They were they were managing Wade. Okay, they had him on a plan. It's kind of what led to LeBron leaving. Was like, yo, Dwayne's sitting out every uh every other other game. Like this ain't for me anymore. Like the Heat were one of the teams they 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 kind of like. It wasn't load management, but they, he was dealing with the knee situation, and they 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 were sitting him out. Uh, so certainly he'd have done it before, but at the same time, as Dwayne Wade, who at that time was with your team for 14 straight years, it ain't a free agent who hasn't stepped foot in the building yet. You know that you're going to give that kind of latitude to as far as not practicing or playing every night. So I really don't know how that would go down. It seems I know it's weird because. Like to me, I agree, but I also, you know, Pat Riley just seems like the guy who's like, if we're going to win a championship, I'm willing to, to, adju- mm-hmm. to adjust and adapt. Right. And yeah, maybe. And, and, and looking ahead to 2021, 22, if you're telling me that in the Eastern conference, I'm rolling at, I'm starting the season with Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard and bam, I'm telling you, I'm going to the finals. Like it's almost like a mortal lock in the East with well, and also coaching your team. You're going Tyler to Hero going to look like in a year right, from exa- now too. Exactly. I, I feel like he's going to look pretty good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So uh, yeah, I agree with the the load management thing. But I guess we just got to see. He's got it's got to go the way we think it's going to go. Which at this point, it, it doesn't look great for them out there. So uh, I agree. Who else I'm is with there? You. It, it is I think. Who? It's really just them two would be the the two big ones. There, there's there's another big name, right? That could potentially opt out. Is it Brad Beal? Well, Victor Ola, Victor Oladipo is is done that year yeah. too. I mean, although I think although I think he may be moved like next month. Okay, yeah. but Victor Oladipo is in a year from now. There are definitely some other big names. Would you, if you were Miami, well, if you were Miami, would you instead of waiting, would you potentially try to go get Brad Beal? Uh, well, I mean, you'd have to give up so much for him and like, not a, they're well, going to ask, well, what if they, what if he tells, he says to Washington, I'm not coming back. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not giving up Tyler hero. No, tell you that. Like, no. I'm not, I'm not even considering it. I'm, I'm covering the other end of the phone and I'm laughing if I'm Pat Riley, <laughs> they, yeah. they think we're going to give up hero. Uh, like I'm not doing that. Uh, right. and I'm not sure now I do think like people are like, Oh, yo, I hope. Hope Kelly Olynyk opts out of that contract. If you're a Heat fan, you want him to opt in. That's a good trade chip. He makes yeah. a lot of money. It's going to be about $14 million. That's not a small thing. Uh, so a, a team like Washington, you know, do you want do you want a first-round pick and Kendrick Nunn and maybe a little bit of filler? That's what yeah, you got to ask yourself. Uh, yeah, I was saying, you know? like, you could you could do Kelly O and, and Iggy's deals together, and you make and that would give you the Brad Beal money. If you and throw Kendrick in, Nunn, the first round pick, yeah. you know, and, and the Wizards spin it where it's like, listen, we're starting over. We're getting all this money off of our books. We got a nice little piece here in Kendrick Nunn. Uh, you know, Miami traded us a couple first round picks. All right. Best we could do. Like, if you want to do that, fine. But I'm not giving up anything of value for anyone before next season. It's a good point. I, I Because I look at the heat. I'm like, dude, even Brad Beal. That guy was second in the NBA in scoring. Like you put him yeah. on the Heat with Jimmy Butler and Bam and Tyler Hero, 
that team's going back to the finals. Like I just, yeah, it, it's it just I think it sort of highlights, like Pat Riley said, the cupboard is full and the future right. is they have so not been bright in this with this spot team. In so long. The last time they were in this spot, he's right. The cupboard is so full. The last time they were in this spot was the 2004 offseason. They were a nice little 42 win team that lost in the second round in Dwayne Wade's rookie year, and Shaq demanded a trade. And because they had all these pieces, they had Lamar Odom and they had Karan Butler and they had Brian Grant and they had Eddie Jones and, uh, and Dwayne Wade. And Pat Riley pushed all the chips to the table, says you could have whoever you want except this one little piece, Dwayne Wade, right here. And the Lakers said, yeah, we're going to take Brian Grant and Karan Butler and Lamar Odom and a couple first round picks. Okay. And like that's the last time the Heat had this many assets where they can make what and any player, any big name player that is going to be made available between now and the next year, the Heat absolutely have the ammunition to make the trade if they want. I just think it's going to be foolish to do so. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I guess it's, it only depends on your perception of Giannis and how real you think the possibility of getting Kawhi is. Because... I mean, th- those are the two. Those are the two whales, I guess, as they put it in the in there. But like, you know, I, I, I'm just still not totally. I, Look, Riley hard. likes to go for the go. He likes to hit the grand slam, and the grand slam is not is not trading some of these pieces to get the huge piece. It's adding the huge piece to this, and that scenario is in play. They have the money available mm-hmm. next year. Like the grand slam is adding the big piece and trading nobody. And that's totally possible. That's crazy. It's amazing. It's an exciting time. It's it's an amazing thing. All right. Before we wrap up real quick, uh, I don't think we've actually talked a ton since the finals, since the run. You know, we talked a little bit during the playoffs. Uh, and I've obviously everyone that's come on since, you know, since the season ended, I've sort of been at, I've asked them where, like, where do you put this season in you, I mean, you've obviously you've been with the you've been with the organization for a long time. You've covered the Heat forever. This run, obviously, while not winning a championship, it's right up there. Where, where do you put it in terms of single seasons in the, in the history of the franchise? Yeah, this wrapped up my tenth season with the team, and not just you know the years working, but also just as a fan it's unlike anything we've ever experienced because we've literally never had a postseason like this where we were the underdog making the run to the NBA Finals. All five other NBA Finals appearances this franchise had, the expectation before the season started unequivocally was championship. If you don't win the championship, it's a bust, okay? And, of course, you know, they won won three of those five. But this year... You're lying if you said the expectation was championship and you felt really good that this team was going to get to the finals. We've literally never experienced this before. We've never been the underdog that kept, uh, you know, I mean, they upset the number one seed, obviously. They upset the number, what was Boston, number three seed. And Mm. they gave the Lakers a really, really great run for their money. They won more games than any of the Western teams did against the Lakers. Okay. So. This was a season unlike any we've ever experienced it here. It had a very 03 Marlins feel to it, where while that 03 Marlins team, you went to the season thinking they were going to be shit, you knew the C team was going to be good, mm-hmm. but that 03 Marlins team was 
a super underdog that just made a, an unbelievable, unexpected run. So this had a very similar feel to that, and that's never happened in franchise history. I mean, you know, ever since Pat Riley got here, the expectation, when you were a good team, it was always like, all right, you got to win the whole thing. And the, just it, it's not even just that they – like, it's okay that they didn't win because – we got so many amazing moments if you're a fan. You got forever memories if you're a fan of this team and you watch them this year. You're never going to forget about a handful of those games and those moments. And that's the best shit. Like if you if you weren't yeah. if you can't win the whole thing, that is the best. And it's it was it was really unbelievable. I mean, we really got a moment. We got a moment that fan of the Heat or not. If you're an NBA fan, if you're really an NBA fan, we got a moment that for the next 20 to 30 years, you're going to be able to say game three of the 2020 NBA final. Just the way we we say game one, Allen Iverson in 2001 versus Lakers. Like everyone remembers that game and they lost 4-1. Like everyone Mm -hmm. remembers AI going off. If you're a fan, you should always remember Jimmy Butler's 40-point triple-double without Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. That's a moment that and game, not just and not game, just heat and game five of the finals with Jimmy just exhausted before yeah. going to the free throw line to take the final to take the two free throws to give us the lead and then you get the stop there. Uh, Danny Green has a wide open three and our you know stomach is in our throats. Game three and game five of the finals were unbelievable moments. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Bam block, and of course that takes away from Jimmy hitting a three to send the game to overtime late in the fourth quarter. And Jimmy with the go-ahead three-point play right before the band block in game one against Boston. Uh, there, were just, there, there were so many The injury, great... Bam coming back from injury in the Boston series yep. and having the best game of his career. Yep. Uh, we, we were down 17 in that game one against Boston in the what was it early fourth quarter. Either way, in the second half, we were down double figures in the first game against Milwaukee. And came storming back and really kicked their ass the rest of the way, mm-hmm. if you want to be perfectly honest about it. You know, and, and of course, you had all the Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren stuff going into the first round. And, I mean, swept them right out. And beating, so, and beating the Bucks 4-1. I mean, you, you, you might have been, you might be the catalyst. Obviously, it's two years in a row now that they've been eliminated. But beating the Bucks 4-1 might be the catalyst to now getting Giannis in two years. Like, it's almost like the KD Warriors thing, just not as immediate. Like you might have started it, that. It was and 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 also by the way, the game six to win the Eastern Conference, thirty-two points and fourteen rebounds from Bam. Yeah, uh, career high in points from him. And he, he just, I mean, just dominated. Yeah, we, we had so many forever moments with this team, and I, I think a great snapshot of it was after that game one where Bam got the block, and you got Pat Riley up in the little booth area there, I guess, where the executives sit. And he's smiling and pumping his fist and pointing, and he never does that, okay? He stands there in his seat across from the heat bench in American Airlines Arena, as stoic as can be, because he has seen everything, okay? And he was enjoying what this team was doing, and you never see that. And I thought that spoke pretty loudly. Yeah, it also spoke loudly, not just about this team, but him him and Jimmy. Just like he said it in his presser. He said, look, we don't have to talk a lot. We text every now and then. I don't want to bother them. But as long as he looks up at me in the box, gives me a heart yep. and points at me and pumps his chest, we're good. 
And I think after the games, when Jimmy was leaving the floor, he would always wave to Pat when he's leaving the floor in the bubble there. He waves to him. It's unbelievable. Uh, man, what a year. And it seems like it's, uh, it's only looking up. So it's, it's, it's not every season that every team, you know, you go to the finals and things look like they're going to get much, much better. Like things look like they're getting better. So it's, it's a fun time. Zaz, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you jumping on with me. Uh, Zazlo and Amber, uh, what's 10 to two now on 10 to two, seven ninety, And then obviously during the season, pre and post game, uh, anything else at Zaslow show on Twitter, right? Yep. Yep. There. You can check us out on the radio.com app. It's a real easy way to find seven ninety tickets, Zaslow and Amber. Uh, we love you long time. <laughs> All right, dude. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Joey. Good job. There it is. Heat nation. Another big time interview. Jonathan Zaslow really appreciate his time I'm on the podcast. You know, I, I, I'm still, I've been on the fence about this whole Giannis to Miami thing. 2021. Everyone's all on the Giannis train. But the way Zaslow breaks it down, he kind of makes it make sense to me. Kind of makes the fit make more sense. But I'm still going to hold out. I'm still going to put that Kawhi to Miami thing into the into the world. I'm going to speak it into existence. I see it happening. Uh, don't forget, Zaslow and Amber, Monday through Friday on 790 The Ticket. And of course, Believe in Miami Heat every Wednesday during the offseason. Next week, another former player. That's a tease for you. You're going to have to tune in to find out who it is. Also, leave me a rating, a review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But until next week, always remember, Heat Nation. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.